Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. Welcome to episode 34. Have you ever known a big talker? Someone who promises to go big, but instead goes home? Well, Jesus has a lot to say about integrity in today's study. I'm calling this episode, Do the Right Thing. There is an old saying that goes, When all has been said and done, a lot more gets said than done. Now, I'm sure that all of us can think of someone who either talks big but produces little, or who swears that they promise to do one thing, but then what they actually do is something quite different. It's a matter of integrity. I've found that the more someone tries to convince me of their honesty and integrity, the more likely it is that they are lacking in these characteristics. What comes out of a container is always what was put into it. You can't fill a bucket with mud and expect to pour clear water out of it. In the same way, what you spend your time thinking about or dwelling on will certainly affect your words and actions. In today's study of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is addressing the integrity that we are to display in our thoughts, our relationships, and the promises we make using examples that we can all relate to. He knows that his teaching is hard, even impossible. But what he wants us to realize is that although it is impossible for us to live this way on our own initiative, all things are possible for those who place their trust in Jesus. Today's reading comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 36. You have heard the commandment that says, You must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You have heard the law that says, A man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. You have also heard that our ancestors were told, You must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, Do not make any vows. Do not say, By heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say, by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say, by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say, by my head, 
for you can't turn one hair white or black. Just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. Last week, we talked about Jesus referring to murder. He said that it wasn't enough to refrain from taking someone's life. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we are to refrain from trashing our enemy's reputation to others, and we are not even to hold on to anger toward them. That was tough to process, but he isn't through. He says that the law forbids committing adultery, but that just stopping short of consummating the physical act of adultery isn't the standard that we are to hold. He says that the leering look and the mental imaging what it would be like already meets the threshold of committing adultery. We can see that this covenant that Jesus is introducing shifts the standard of behavior from visible actions that we all can see to issues of the heart and mind that only God can see. No longer will it be possible to harbor evil thoughts and bad motives, but be seen as righteous because we haven't killed anyone or had an extramarital affair. Jesus knows what goes on in our minds is often quite different than what our outward actions show. And we can carry out this charade for a while, but when we get into a tight place, when the pressure is on, what is inside of us will come out. Our actions, especially our reactions, are physical manifestations of what we have been thinking. So Jesus is telling us that since the consequences of our thoughts are the same as the consequences of our actions, our actions should take the lead in changing what we think about. Once again, Jesus uses exaggeration to make his point. He says that if you can't stop looking with lust, rip your eye out, because it's better to enter heaven blind than to go to hell with perfect vision. Now, I don't believe he's actually advocating pulling out eyes. I believe that he's stating the importance of building spiritual integrity into our thoughts. Every extramarital affair and every sexual crime begins with a thought. No one just falls into an inappropriate or adulterous relationship. It always begins with thoughts that take root in the mind. What would it be like? then progresses to, how can I make it happen? Eventually it becomes, oh, I'm going to make it happen. And then, it's happening. Our thoughts govern our actions, both for the good and for the bad. We can act differently than our thoughts for a while, but our thoughts eventually will affect our actions. Integrity in our thought life is of the highest importance and no sacrifice is too large to protect it. Next, Jesus talks about the vows we make, beginning with the marriage vow. The law stated that a man could divorce his wife by giving her a certificate of divorce. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus was questioned about this. He said in that discussion that the permission of divorce was a concession in response to the hardness of their hearts, and not part of God's original plan, that husband and wife would be one flesh. And over time, this concession became license to take a woman as a wife and then turn her loose with no explanation, reason, or recourse. 
so it provided a loophole that lended a facade of legitimacy to what was in reality adultery. Jesus was saying once again that the integrity of the heart toward the union is what determines its legitimacy. Divorce is only to be initiated for sound reasons when one partner has broken the covenant. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card for the man who just wants to move on to the next woman. In a culture where men had the power position in the relationship, with the ability to both initiate and end a marriage, Jesus stressed the importance of realizing that the woman would be harmed by being cast aside. So just having an ordinance that allows you to do something doesn't necessarily make it right. This talk about marriage is sandwiched between the talk about lustful thoughts and a talk about keeping our word. And it seems obvious to me that if we could deal with our lustful thoughts and stay true to our word, the marriage issues that cause so much trouble would be taken care of in most situations. I find it interesting that the religious gatekeepers of the time made it easy to throw aside a spouse but held a hard line on fulfilling a vow. Because what is a marriage if it's not a solemn vow before God to share every aspect of life until death do us part? But this kind of inconsistency is exactly what you get when you attempt to legislate matters of the heart or matters of the conscience with the goal of controlling the behavior of others. So Jesus moves from telling us to have integrity in our thought life to exhorting us to have integrity in our marital decisions and then moves on to the general topic of integrity in your solemn vows. In the 23rd chapter of Acts, the Apostle Paul had been arrested in Jerusalem because they didn't like what he was preaching. In verse 12, we find that a group formed a conspiracy, and each of them took an oath that they would not eat or drink until they had killed Paul. Well, some folks tipped off the authorities about this plan, and Paul was spirited away in the middle of the night to faraway Caesarea. I've always wondered how long they honored that oath. Did they starve to death because they weren't able to kill Paul? The Bible doesn't mention these conspirators after this, so we don't know. But I doubt they died. I'm sure that they thought they might miss lunch or even supper at most before they carried out their plot. Folks make rash vows all the time or swear oaths that the story they're telling you is true. It happens so much, you don't even listen to it. Jesus is saying, don't do that. Just do what you'll say you'll do. All of those other oaths and protestations just make it sound like you are surely lying. We all know someone who makes big promises but always has an excuse for why they didn't follow through. And I hope we all know someone who, when they say, yeah, I'll do that, you know that it will get done because that person is gold. That is a person you can rely on. That is a person you'll listen to. It is wonderful to deal with a person of integrity in the words they say and the promises they make. 
and it is sad how few of them we come in contact with. But it is within each of us to be that person. If a friend tells you something in confidence, keep that confidence. If you say you'll do something, do it, even if it turns out to be inconvenient or less fun than you imagined. It's important to remember that Jesus is saying that although there are written rules that dictate certain actions, it is in the attitude of the heart that we represent Jesus accurately to the world. So don't make the mistake of reading this passage and then trying to enforce specific actions based on it. Instead, look at the integrity of your thoughts, your relationships, and your word. See if they line up with the heart of what Jesus is saying here and trust that His Holy Spirit will lead you to do the right thing. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the I'm Still Learning podcast. If you find this podcast interesting, won't you please share it with a friend? Also, let me know what you think. Find me on Facebook or Instagram under my name, Randy Whitlow, or send an email to rbwhitlow at me.com. Until next week, I'm Randy Whitlow, and I'm still learning.